Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast includes content that some listeners might find disturbing. Robert Black died in McGabbery Prison in January 2016. His body cremated, his ashes thrown into the sea. No one mourns him. He was a child murderer, a serial killer and a paedophile. This is Robert Black, now the worst child serial killer the UK has ever known. That'd be driving along and see a young girl I'd go out and talk to her and try to persuade her to get into the van and uh, take her somewhere quiet Black was convicted of killing four young girls but is suspected of abusing and murdering many many more his fourth murder conviction will prompt further investigations into other unsolved disappearances we know that robert black was a serial killer we know that he was killing at least over a 10-year period his first conviction for murder was for the killing and sexual assault of nine-year-old lisburn girl jennifer cardy on the 12th of august 1981. she went out in the bike and she got about a mile mile and a half down the road and obviously Robert Black snatched her off the road, threw the bike over the hedge and took her away and sexually assaulted her and strangled her and threw her into the uh, McKees Dam. Greg Jackson is a professor of occupational health psychology at Birmingham City University. He has studied Black very carefully. He believes that Robert Black was behind the murder of many, many other little girls. Professor Craig Jackson, can we start by asking the question, who was Robert Black? Well, we know that Robert Black was a serial killer uh, based on the definition of killing at least three people over at least 30 days. And we know that he was killing at least over a 10-year period more. So we know that he was a serial killer by the definition We know with great certainty that Robert Black was also a loner. He didn't have any meaningful relationships outside of his work and the people he lodged with. And we know that he was abused as a child and showed behavioral difficulties and uh, engaged in sexual assaults whilst a young boy. He then went through the Borstal system and the care system 
And we know that that led to him being the sadistic, sexual, sadist, serial killer that we know of. One thing I would say where he is different from many other serial murderers or what people think of in terms of serial murder is that he doesn't fit this Hollywood forged view of what we believe serial killers are like. We tend to believe that they are highly intelligent, evil geniuses, for want of a better phrase. And he certainly wasn't that. He suffered from very poor hygiene. Even as a child, his nickname was Smelly Bobby because he um, had various behavioral difficulties. And he traveled and essentially lived in his van, which was his killing and torture chamber, as well as how he earned his living as a delivery driver. So he certainly didn't match what we what we are conditioned by Hollywood to believe serial killers are like. He was a man with a very strong paedophilic interest and sexual uh, deviancy who was willing to kill when he felt able to. You, I suppose we, many of us assume that somehow serial killers are simply born they're exceptions. But you've created a picture there of someone who was created rather than born with these perversions and, and urges and lacks, I suppose. Well, he's a bit of both. He was born and his mum wasn't married, so he was essentially fostered at a very early age. And although his foster parents seemed to be fairly decent people. There were some questions that maybe they'd been a little bit physically strong in chastisement of him. But even as an early age, he developed very strange um, psychosexual behaviours. He became obsessed with genitalia, became obsessed with uh, girl parts and boy parts, uh, inserting things into himself. And even at an early age, it, it's alleged that he felt that he should have been a girl and not a boy. So he, he developed very early on, before adolescence and puberty, this fascination with sexual organs on boys and girls. So um, he didn't have the best start in life, it's fair it, to it, say, but already he went off the it, rails very early. Is that fascination, is it, is, is it always abnormal? I I mean, I'm not sure, but at at what stage do, is it normal and what stage is it abnormal? Because we know that children may be interested in, you know, in, in such things. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's quite normal for, for prepubescent children to know that they are different. Boys and girls have differences, but it usually ends around there. Sigmund Freud in his theory of psychosexual development says that we all sort of gain mastery of our of our genitals and we gain mastery of our toilet behavior at a relatively early age. So it's something we all become aware of. But for him, something happened that made Robert Black stay fixated with this obsession with genitals and boys and girls. And at, uh, at an early age, again, before adolescence, he already started um molesting other children he would pick females children his own age or younger than him and separate them off promise to show them some kittens or promise to to take them somewhere special and he would sexually assault them the problem is that when that happened he was caught and, and it was reported and he was dealt with by the authorities as a child but essentially he was given a caution for lewd and lascivious behavior 
mostly because the relatives of the victims didn't want any publicity for the victims. So he was kind of dealt with very informally with nothing more than a slap on the wrists. And one thing I can tell you as a psychologist is if you do something and you get away with it or the consequences are only slight, you're going to do it again and again and again if it feels nice and you want to do it. So I think at a very early age, as well as having this obsession with genitalia and being attracted to to small girls, he'd learned that when you do something, if you get caught, the consequences will not be bad. What changed, I think, was that he eventually ended up going to an approved school, to the, to the Red House. He ended up going to effectively a Borstal. And it does seem like he was abused there. He was then on the receiving end and he received some physical and sexual abuse from people in, in the care system. So now we have someone who is both a perpetrator of sexual assaults and the victim of sexual assaults with no clear role model and no path to guide him or to correct his behavior. And then he becomes a teenager and he's let loose and set free out into the world. What can we be sure that he did? What crimes do you believe he committed. He was convicted of killing four young girls, but he's, he is suspected of, of murdering many more. Well, yeah, to, to put it very simply, he first murdered Jennifer Cardi in 1981, as we know, but that murder went undetected. He then murdered Susan Maxwell in 1982 and abducted her from the Scottish borders and deposited her body in the Midlands. A year after that, in 83, he abducted Caroline Hogg murdered her and again deposited her body in the Midlands. And then next year, uh, sorry, about three years after that, he took Sarah Harper and murdered her and left her body in the Midlands as well. So he was caught trying to abduct um, um, a young lady called Mandy Wilson. He was actually caught in the act trying to abduct another victim. He admitted that and was convicted of that and was then tried and convicted of the murders of Maxwell, Hogg and Harper and then while he was serving three life sentences he was then brought to trial for the first murder, that of, of Jennifer Cardi. We have the relief of knowing that the perpetrator of this gruesome horrible crime has been brought to justice. Robert Black stole the life of our daughter Jennifer but Robert Black didn't steal the lives of me and my family. So we know that he's murdered four. We know that he had attempted to abduct two others. And I think we are looking at the best part of a dozen other missing and murdered girls and children, not just in the UK, but possibly also in mainland Europe as well. And there's a lot of very strong evidence that ties him to the areas where those girls were when they disappeared. And that's essentially what he was convicted of for the four murders that we've just discussed. There was very little forensic evidence, if any, but he was tied to the locations and vicinities of when the girls were disappeared when they went missing because of petrol receipts and through his job. So the evidence that convicted him for those four murders is pretty much very similar to the evidence we have about these other missing girls and murdered children. And of the murders that he is suspected of carrying out, can you tell us anything about, about any of those victims? The three girls that, that Black abducted and murdered in the UK, um, Susan Maxwell, Caroline Hogg and Sarah Harper, between 1982 and 1986, 
he deposited their bodies in three different sites in the Midlands. It just so happens that there are a family who he kind of stayed with as a lodger occasionally when he was traveling up and down the country who had a house near Tamworth. And I think there's very strong evidence to show that, that Black kept those girls' bodies with him in his van and deposited them and, and threw them by the roadside or into water um, areas at the last available opportunity he could on the way to stay with the family in the Midlands. So I think he kept the girls with him and, and the forensic scientists, where possible, uh, corroborate this idea, that he kept the girls with him as long as he could and only getting rid of them at the last possible moment before going to stay with this, this family that took care of him. Now, it's also worth noting that before that family moved to the Midlands, he knew them when they were based in London. And again, he was a sort of occasional lodger with that family in London. And I think it's fairly safe to say that, that there are some of the girls who went missing who've never been found, who I think he could have deposited in a similar way. On the way back to this house in London where he lodged, he would have got rid of them at the last moment. So I think the, the case of Jeanette Tate, who's never been found, who went missing in 1978 from, from Devon. I think April Fab, who went missing in 1969 from, um, from Lincolnshire, from East Anglia way, he was living in London at the time. I think he abducted them and deposited them somewhere on outer, on the outskirts of Greater London before he got back to where he was lodging. It's probably unlikely that that will ever be solved or resolved, but we must also think that the cases of those girls they were out on their bicycles and they disappeared and were never seen again. And we know that Black was in the area because he was doing delivery runs in, in both of the areas where they lived. So he's been tied to those areas. I think it's highly unlikely we'll ever find where their bodies were deposited by him. Um, but I think that's that's probably likely what happened because he clearly learned how to do that with the, the, the bodies in the Midlands. I think he'd been doing that with his bodies down south much earlier. You mentioned already that, you know, Robert Black was certainly not the stereotype of the serial killer that we have, of some sort of twisted genius in a sense, or very intelligent person uh, with a, some sort of warped personality. He seemed to be a very basic person. Uh, you know, you said he had problems with hygiene. He had no relationships. He, he didn't seem a particularly intelligent person. And yet it does seem that he got away with perhaps up to a dozen murders, uh, you know, over a long period of time. That's both remarkable and frankly quite frightening. It is. It is frightening and remarkable. But when you break down how he was doing it, he had a lot of factors in his favour. So firstly, he used his occupation as a way to get access to victims, as a way to, or to give him a, a place, his van, a place where he could torture and assault and murder his victims. And then by traveling up and down the country as a delivery driver, he was able to deposit a body of a victim hundreds of miles away from where she was taken, which assisted decomposition and which reduced the likelihood of any forensic ties betwixt him and the victim. And because he was on the road as a routine part of his job as a delivery driver going up and down and across the UK, 
he had reason to be on the road. He had reason not to be tied to anywhere. And he knew the roads like the back of his hand. He would travel by B roads and A roads rather than motorways. And he knew the road network incredibly well. And when you look at the deposition sites where he put the bodies of the girls, he clearly knew where to leave them in a way that they would decompose quickest to make detection hard. He also operated across various police forces. The number of police forces involved in depositions and abduction sites was difficult. And of course, there was still no massive computerization of uh, police details at that time. The Homes database, the Home Office Large Major Inquiry Service database that had been brought in after the Ripper case, the Yorkshire Ripper case, was in its very early days. So the uh, child murder unit in Bradford had to try and be the focal point for, for, for putting all these electronic leads and details together and using computerization. But it was still in its early days. And don't forget, there were no mobile phones. There was no sat-nav. There was no advanced number plate recognition. There was no CCTV. So he was able to go in and out of city centers and hunt for victims because he was effectively invisible. His transport was a white van. And we see white vans all the time, so much so that they are effectively invisible. So because he was just a delivery driver doing his job, he was able to get up close to victims, abduct victims, drive up and down the country, park in laybys, park in service stations, and did not raise any suspicions amongst anyone. He was also very good at befriending children. Um, and this is possibly where an element of his arrested development came in. In parts, he was sometimes more like a child than an adult. And he was able to approach children um, at parks and, and offer them crisps or offer them an ice cream or buy them a, a ride uh, a ride on one of the on one of the on one of the machines. I'd be uh, driving along. I'd see a young girl. I'd go out and talk to him. Try to persuade her to get into the van and uh, take her somewhere quiet. He was able to approach children um, very effectively, which is strange because adult witnesses who saw him on some of his later attempted abductions described him as fat, unpleasant and smelly. Things that you think a child would be frightened by. But he was able to get up close to children, talk to them and win their confidence and get them to go away with him. So he was very effective at what he did. Very effective indeed. And as I understand it, Robert Black had an interest in what we would describe today as extreme porn. Yes, um, he had an interest in pornography, particularly um, child exploitation images or, or pornography involving uh, paedophilia and children. And of course, this was the, the 70s and 80s, and he had to physically get his pornography. And we know that he used to drive um, from uh, Norwich and Ipswich way, he would drive over to the continent via the ferry system and we know that he would often go to Amsterdam to get hardcore material that he would bring back to the UK. So when you asked about are serial killers made or born, I certainly think that his extreme interest in extreme pornography helped shape him and keep him focusing on children and kept his interest in that, that victim group. So I think his extreme pornography 
um, addiction, for want of a better phrase, is something that, that shouldn't be overlooked. And I also think that when he was on those trips to mainland Europe, that he could have abducted and murdered um, about eight girls in France, in the Netherlands, who were strangled. Uh, there was a, a girl in Germany as well who were found, some weren't found. And again, he seemed to have been in the area at the time. So if he were alive today, I'm pretty sure that the police would have taken this to court on a number of these these possible uh, disappeared and murdered children because he was able to be tied to that region through petrol receipts and credit card receipts and eyewitnesses. The public have... Uh as we know, a fascination with serial killers. But I, I get the impression that Robert Black, despite his record, despite what he did, isn't overly well known. I wonder, was Black so sick that we prefer to forget that he ever existed rather than rather than give him some of the publicity that other psychopaths and psycho, uh, 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 serial killers have received? I think one of the reasons why he has become a forgettable serial killer is that he refused to help police with any further inquiries, even though after he was incarcerated, the police would approach him and ask him questions about um, girls on the continent, about murders that we think predated his convicted offences. I'm talking about April Fab, I'm talking about Christine Markham, Mary Boyle, Jeanette Tate. These are girls who went missing or were murdered in the late 60s and 70s. Even when he was approached, he would never admit any involvement. He would never suddenly, through his lawyer, say, yes, I committed this offence, like some serial killers do to keep sort of headline and mystique. He never once interacted and helped. And I think because he kept his silence, that's why the public kind of forgot about him and he became overtaken by other more talkative, chatty, incarcerated serial killers who just wouldn't stop talking even after they were in prison. Ooh. Uh, Professor Jackson... It's distasteful, Professor, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, w- there's a lot to digest. Professor Craig Jackson, thank you very much. Thank you. This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar. The sound design was by Graham Davidson. The clips you heard were from UTV, ITV and the BBC. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.